0: I got them on myself and then I just thought, literally every woman needs to feel like this if she chooses, right? I'd never had beautiful hair and um, extensions change women's life.
1: Hello friends, this is Sal Sal Hair. Hey, this is Dino the Barber. This is Lisa Walker. Hey, I'm Jill Buck. Hi, I'm Nigel Aziz and you're listening to the Hair Game Podcast hey listener i'm eric taylor this week we're going straight to the conversation with Lacey. hi Lacey. how are you
0: hi i am so good how are you
1: i'm great you're in utah am i correct salt lake city
0: yep salt lake city
1: does it get hot in salt lake city in the summertime
0: yes so we have had a really really hot summer the last couple summers Um, used to be like 95 is one of those hot days. Now we are definitely triple digits. So like I'm ready for fall. September is going to be nice.
1: So I was just telling Lacey that I've lost some of my friends to park city through the pandemic because they they can now work remotely. Is it cooler in park city during the summer?
0: Yeah. So you get really about 15 to 20 degrees cooler in park city. Um, and that is in the summer, but that also means it's 15 degrees cooler right. in the winter as well. So right. <laughs> it comes back to literally bite you um, in the winter, but we yeah. definitely love Park City. So. You
1: have to like the cold if you're going to be there. But it it, it, get, it still snows in Salt Lake, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, it, it's cold here. It's a true winter. We are a mountain town. It, Gosh, we have days that get really gloomy. Salt Lake is kind of in a bowl, and so it gets foggy and smoggy, I should say, and it doesn't always blow over. And so people sneak away to Park City to get away from the inversion is what we have a lot of, unfortunately, um, mm. in Salt Lake in the winter. So, um, oh, yeah. It gets that sounds cool.
1: technical. So,
0: oh, yeah. It's a, it, I mean, it is technical. Like, you pray for snowstorms so it can blow out all the smog that gathers in like that bowl of salt lake city so
1: interesting all right well we've learned a lot about salt lake city already you're a hairdresser from there you're an educator you're a salon owner you're the owner of an extension line you're a mother a mother of how many
0: so i have three kids and uh Depending on when this airs, that can be something that we uh, say, I'm actually pregnant. Um, <gasps> I'm like barely <gasps> pregnant for only six weeks.
1: But Wow, congratulations. <laughs> so you're clearly okay with the hair world knowing about it. So congratulations. Have you announced it on, on the gram?
0: No, that's why I was actually, that will be something that I'm asking you I, when this airs. Um,
1: I can't promise you anything. Oh, Don, okay. Donovan um, is the power of uh behind the scenes
0: (laughs) just let me know so i could quickly do at least an ig post um but no there is i i'm about like six and a half weeks pregnant right now so it's really early and a lot of people don't even say anything yet but i'm like if you know me i'm pretty much an open book and i'm like i want people to know why i'm so tired and I'm forgetful and all of the things, right? I need to like utilize my excuse why I can for the next nine months. So you want to
1: flex? you want to yeah. flex that excuse as long as you can? Exactly. Uh, because it is such a great one. Of course, nobody can say anything against you being pregnant. So definitely use that excuse. I know my wife did, and we're done. So she doesn't have that excuse anymore. But uh, I'm sure she's out there looking for new excuses. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, being a mom is, is one right there. But it is true. My it's so funny. My husband downloaded this. I mean, there's pregnancy tracker apps and uh so I have one for the mother and there are ones for the dad, which I'm sorry if you didn't have that, because it's actually really funny. So it'll be like, Hey, hey, you idiot. Your wife is seven weeks pregnant today. She's gonna be feeling this, this, and this She's always right. Even if she's wrong, she's right. You just watch your back. Anyways, it's super mm-hmm, funny. And I mm-hmm. like, you shouldn't you shouldn't even read that to me because I I would have just thought that that was your idea to send me flowers today, right? Anyways, it's just a super funny sounds app. Sounds like oh, it was written listening.
1: Yes. Sounds like it was written <laughs> by a woman who's been pregnant and had kids.
0: Oh, it's so funny. I should so, write
1: yeah. a a husband dad tracker app.
0: Well, that's what the—that's what I'm talking about. That's what he has. No, I
1: know, I know, but I should write it from the man's perspective.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. No, it's hilarious. It'd be so funny.
1: It is very funny. It is very funny. I remember those times. My kids are nine and eleven, so it's been a number of years for me. Uh, But I remember it, and it was—you know—I was—I just felt like an idiot most of the time, and I'm always like, uh, you know, it's—it's almost like there's a very delicate egg and i'm trying to not drop the egg and i'm i never know whether it's going to drop and i'm always kind of off balance and yeah but it all worked out
0: exactly you're you you made it nine and eleven
1: That's right. well congratulations that's super exciting you're gonna have a lot of kids you're gonna have more things to do and you've got this extension line you've got a salon you've got all these various things and um I I definitely need to mention that you're a survivor of a brain tumor, which resulted in MS, which you still have. I don't know if you get rid of MS. Okay. So we're going to talk about that, but not yet, because I want to begin with the beginnings. So first tell us where you're from. Are you from Salt Lake City and how did you make it into the hair industry?
0: Yeah, well, I know there's, you know, to kind of, go back to what you said. I just I felt like I wasn't busy enough. So I'm like, I know I should definitely have another kid. Um, yeah, we have a lot going on. Um, all very industry related, which is what I love the hair industry. Um, I am from Utah, but I am from the southern part of the state, hmm. a little town called Cedar City. Um, it's about like two hour two and a half, three hours north of Las Vegas. Um, so I actually went to hair school in that little, in that little town. And I, I instantly loved it. I was so excited. I loved meeting clients. I love doing people's hair. And, you know, I was actually like, it was really fun because I was really good at it. Like I just, and then it made me love it more. I was like, this is so fun. You know, this is 2002. I was putting big chunks in people's hair. And Just on top of the world, you know, giving everyone the same ugly haircut that everyone got in hair school, you know, Mm -hmm. and I just loved it. And uh, from there, uh, after hair school, I um, I got a job as an assistant, which I always say, if you can go and be an assistant first, that's like one one little piece of advice that changed my whole career and brought success is learning from people that were way better than me. Even though I thought I was really good from hair school, um, I, w- I really wasn't. I learned so much being an assistant. So I got an assistant position uh, in Las Vegas, so I moved down to the big city from my small town.
1: Right out of school?
0: Um, well, I, I had like a little stint in Salt Lake for five months, but um, then I moved pretty much right out of school down to Las Vegas. Um, and worked at the Bellagio Hotel. And again, in 2003 and the Blasio is still a great property, but in 2003, the blagio was like the only.
1: Fire, it was amazing.
0: World. Yeah. So it's like celebrities coming in, dignitaries, princesses, like literally everyone, athletes, you know, it was like, it was super cool. Um, and I just, it was a really cool opportunity. So I, like I said, I was able to assist there and as luck would have it, they were expanding the salon. And so we needed more stylists. And so I only assisted for like seven months. Um, and then I was on the floor and I'm like now 20 years old or 19 still. And it was like my boss, she, she said to me, she's like, Hey, um, the clients that are going to come in here, if they find out you graduated from hair school last year and you're charging 125 for a haircut, they're gonna be really upset. So you need to say that you're 25. And I was like, okay, (laughs) Um, This is great. Uh, So, you know, people come in and everyone was always so nice. And um, I would meet people from all over the world every day, right? Like people are, it's a resort. So they are just coming in to get their blowouts or, you know, wedding, a lot of weddings. I did a lot of weddings and a lot of haircuts. And I was a stylist. It was a specialty salon. So you either do styling or color. And I chose styling so I could also still do extensions. Um, Anyway. So yeah, it, it was really fun and i like i said i kind of i probably you know it's one of those like fake it till you make it literally like mm. i had to lie about my age even um, because you know the type of high-end clientele just was like and a lot of times they would be like um how old are you and i'm like 24 or you know <laughs> and i'd have to and then these people would come back and i'm trying to like i'm not a liar but i feel guilty they'd come back and you know, they'd like invite me to go get drinks or something out. Oh, my
1: God. Funny. I'm
0: like, and I had a, you know, this is like, I'm like, I have an ID, but it has a different name on it. It's my big sister. Anyway, it's just like, so, sorry, mom. Uh, but like, <laughs> you know, it just was like a really funny time. And but it was really cool. And like, I just had those opportunities. Um, and then I. Okay, So hold
1: on, hold on before you. And then I've I've always been curious about the casino salons because they're big and they're luxurious and of course the spas and I've been to them. Are there any locals that go there?
0: Yeah. So I actually had a ton of locals. Um, It was interesting because I would have, I obviously not as many if I lived in one of the suburbs, but a lot of people like it's very transient, especially in Las Vegas. So a lot of people um, know that, these salons are high end and they hear that they're really nice. So they go and then, um, it's pretty convenient. They just park up in valet, walk in and get their hair done. Some of my clients, you know, live there part time, like literally in the hotels, like their husband's a poker player or something like that. So I had a lot of local or interestingly enough, a lot of locals. And then I also had a lot of regulars that maybe lived in LA or I had regulars that lived in Spain that just came every three months and I would do their hair extensions. So gamblers. Exactly. Yeah. So it was really interesting, like how I still had a clientele, but it was very different than the traditional hairstylist would have built a clientele, which I'm yeah. very like, grateful for those opportunities. was really fun, but it was very different.
1: Yeah, so super interesting. And so, in in a in the casino salons is the turnover of beauty professionals more, greater, more frequent?
0: Um, it's interesting because our again like co- going and I haven't been in that industry for so long, so I don't have the answer of what it is now. Yeah. But there were people that worked there for so long, like they started like at the MGM property. So Bellagio is part of the MGM Mirage Corporation. They started at like the Mirage or MGM when it opened a million years ago. And they're like, I know some of them that I still keep in touch with are like still there. So they did MGM, went to Mirage, went to Bellagio, went to Aria, you know, they kind of like went to different hotels because also as as a hairstylist, it's a great job because I, you know, at 18, I had 401k, I had full health insurance. So because you're part of the corporate world, so it's a good job for people. So I do think that they do keep um, a lot of their employees because of the benefits that they get would be my guess.
1: Sure. Um,
0: I didn't really I'm glad I took advantage of those things. But I didn't really realize how important those were. As like an 18 year old, you right. know, um, but that is I think how they can keep some of their stylists.
1: So how long were you there?
0: I worked there a total of eight years. Why? So you I leave? worked. There. Um, My ex-husband went to law school in Michigan, so we moved from Las Vegas to Michigan. Or who knows, maybe I'd still be there. (laughs) Probably not, but.
1: And that was a change. Uh, I mean, how long were you in Michigan?
0: I lived there for three years uh, while he was in law school. And in that time is when I had, when we moved there, I had a one-year-old boy, or a one-year-old and then, I had my second son over in michigan as well so totally different life i um i did work still in a really cool salon in grand rapids michigan and um had my two little boys and um And to kind of like backtrack, I actually started, um, before I moved to Michigan is when I started my extension business.
1: Oh, Um, you started that early. Okay. So you, you mentioned that you wanted to be a stylist early on, right out of the gate at the Bellagio, right out of beauty school. And how did you know so early you wanted to do extensions?
0: So I, and I don't have my extensions in right now, which is, you know, really sad. Um, (laughs) but I've always had really fine thin hair um it will age me a little bit and that's okay i'm proud of it but when i was in high when i was a senior in high school the first flat irons came out uh so i just remember my friends with this big brick the big hot tools brick for people that have been doing hair for 20 years like me um and my friends would just flat iron their hair and they just had this long straight hair and my my hair would just like get to a certain length and break off and it was so thin and i always just wanted this luscious Thick hair, and I got into extensions when I was working uh, in Las Vegas, and I was obsessed with extensions. I loved, I got them on myself, and then I just thought, literally, every woman needs to feel like this if she chooses, right? Like, yeah. I'd never, I'd never had beautiful hair, and um, and I just definitely um, loved it. Changed it really changed my life. As some people may think, that sounds cheesy or vain, um, extensions change women's life. Um, I've had multiple women sit in my chair and cry because they've never had thick hair or hair that will hold a curl or felt the kind of confidence that they get when they wear extensions. So I just fell in love with it. And that's all that I wanted to do. And kind of going back to the Las Vegas life, um, it was pretty normal extensions were like very normal. And uh, there, but people from all over the country would come into Vegas and compliment my hair. And they they were like, What? How does your hair look like that? And I'm like, Oh, do you want extensions? And so I started doing a ton of extensions in Las Vegas kind of before I will say in the hair world, I am one of the OGs of extensionists because I've been doing them um, you know, freelance in LA, freelance in New York, Texas, uh, Florida, all over the place because they couldn't find, I mean, can you imagine not finding a place in Miami to get your extensions? It was like, that was kind of the thing. Like, they're like, I've never even heard of extensions. Can I find someone in Miami? Right. So, and that was where I'm like, I'm going to start training people how to do this. And I wanted to start my own brand so I could have, I was ordering hair from company a hair from company B and they didn't have the color offerings that I liked. Um, they didn't have multiple methods and I was doing multiple methods, which I still really think it's important to not, it's fine if you have one favorite method that you do, but I think it's important to learn as much as you can with extensions. So from there, I just was like, Oh, maybe it's easy to start my own company. Um, and it really wasn't, but I still did it. And just for, so for the beginning, it was just for my own use. And for my clients, because I was so busy, I pretty much started just doing only extensions, specializing in that. And, um,
1: when in Vegas, still, yes, wow,
0: yep. And then I think Laced got a little bit of a slow start, too, just because Laced is
1: your brand for the yes. listeners,
0: yes. Laced hair got a, a little bit of a slow start because of that move, you know, we moved to Michigan and wasn't working as much. And, you know, my network of people in LA and, and Las Vegas was now Grand Rapids, Michigan in the Midwest with two, you know, a toddler and a baby. So it was a little bit different, but this magical thing, you know, this is now 2011, but this magical thing called Instagram happened in 2011.
1: Never heard of it.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) that is, 1000% 1000% what I owe my brand recognition, my um the way to get my name out there was Instagram, I just started posting before and after pictures of my work, and people would see them. And while well, I live in Virginia, how can I get those extensions? And so from there, I was like, I guess I need a website, you know, because mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. filling out these little invoices and sending them to them. And, you know, it was like, si- sounds like the dinosaur era now. But I, so that was where I'm like, all right, I'm going to make a website. And from there, we just continued to boom and grow and collaborate and lots of other things in between. But that was kind of like, you know, then we left Michigan and I ended up back in Utah. So,
1: okay. So you land back in Salt Lake and um, you're like, okay, I'm starting over. That was probably annoying to you. Um, but you've got, you know, kids and you, you really know what you're doing behind the chair. You've got a business, you've got a, an extension business. Uh, did, was it like, okay, I now need to find a salon.
0: Yeah. So we moved back to Utah and, um, that was where after we came back, we kind of like, I was kind of a pivotal moment in my life too, because that was where I, my husband at the time and I chose to get divorced. Um, so went through a divorce and then, um, you know, like I said, had those two boys and then, um, yeah, I said, okay, well, I have this brand now. I started meeting a lot of people. There's an incredible network of especially female owned businesses in Utah. So I started going to these events and really networking and meeting a lot of influencers and bloggers and, the, all the girls that were on the bachelorette used to fly to me and I was still going to Las Vegas and taking clients. So that was, I still Mm -hmm. had money to do that and fund my project, which was creating, you know, continuing to grow my extension brand. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just with the help of Instagram is how I was able to keep getting a clientele. Um, so people used to come to my house in my basement. And from there, I just was like, okay, this is where now I know I'm staying in Utah. I'm not going to do hair out of a house anymore, and I am going to find. So I found a studio. Um, I found a studio room, and it it was scary to do that because it's like you know a lot of money f- for the monthly rent, and um, I had only lived back in Utah for like six months, and I'm going out on my own to essentially booth rent, and um, but then I also hung a bunch of our hair for sale on the wall because people used to come to my house and buy my extensions. So, um, hung hair on the wall in this little studio and, um, took extension clients and built a pretty nice business, uh, for myself. Uh, Yeah. Just doing extensions. So then, like I said, people would come in, uh, and I was offering classes, one-on-one trainings and I was, so it just kind of started this whole, um, my whole business, so I was like, wow, this is really, I, this can really be something with education, with selling my hair.
1: So, the strategy of you creating your extensions business is to get a great product. I imagine that took a lot of time. You had to find the right supplier of hair. Um, if you've ever spent any time on LinkedIn, um, there's about 800,000 people on there who want to sell me hair. Um, but I imagine that some of it's, uh, most of it is junk. So you probably had to go out there and you had to find really good suppliers for the extensions. And you had to figure out the SKUs and the, the lengths and the, how much, you know, inventory do I need? And oh my God, that's going to cost $20,000. Are you kidding? And then what if I don't sell it? And all this kind of stuff, right? You're dealing with all that. Yeah. Okay. And then what was your idea to market it? So you talked about, instagram but uh, now you're talking about training people to do it so was your idea to get like a little army of people out there who who sell laced products
0: yeah so um kind of like another reason behind it were a lot of like was a lot of people did not know how to properly install extensions um They were trying to watch something on youtube there wasn't a a huge extension education it still really isn't taught in most schools so i wanted to train people how to do it correctly and then of course the snowball effect of training stylists how to properly install extensions is i would hope that they would you know use my brand so um but yeah i just really wanted because like i said extensions in the early 2000s got such a bad rap and oh they're going to damage your hair they're going to ruin your hair they look fake you know you remember all of the celebrities with the like extensions in that were straight across like no layers put in them um they've come a long way so i just really wanted to get the word out there and train people on them and uh yes it was very difficult to find um manufacturing and again there wasn't uh, I had to, I didn't have all those. I am on LinkedIn and on Instagram. I mean, the amount of DMS I get from these factories, it is so ridiculous. Most of our time is spent cleaning up our Instagram of those DMS, Mm -hmm. my poor social media team. Um, and so I didn't have any of that back then, which I think is probably a blessing really, because I was able to really like hone in and not get, really screwed over, screwed over by those people um, Mm -hmm. that most of those are definitely scammers and a huge factory that is supplying hair to a big company doesn't need to slide into a DM of a hairstylist that they're going to going to make like $100 off of. You know what I mean? It's like, like those are so bad and scary. (laughs) I feel bad for people. I've heard of a lot of them getting scammed by those. Um, But yeah, so I didn't have any of that. I just you know, started it. And yeah, my I think my first order, to be honest, was like $10,000. And that was scary, too. Sure. You know, I was very young, and that was a lot of money for me. So um, yeah, it was it was scary. I'm like, Well, what if this doesn't sell, and it did sell, and I was able to order, you know, order more and then add more methods. When I first started, I only had keratin extensions, and I tip extensions, because those were the really big ones. Um, at the time, and those were, uh, were what I was doing most of. So,
1: okay. For, and for the listeners who don't know, explain those. So
0: keratin bonds are a, um, an individual method, meaning they're put in strand by strand. So a full head of keratin bonds, you'll probably have, you know, anywhere from a hundred to 150 plus little strands of these bonds all throughout your head. They are applied with heat and they have a keratin coating protection on the adhesive that adheres to your natural hair. Um, And they last for like four to six months. I love keratin bonds. They're coming back, they're getting more and more popular again, which makes me so happy because I love how long that they last. They're super awesome. Um, I tip is also, it looks exactly like keratin, almost exactly like keratin when they're in the hair the difference is, is they're put in with a bead and the actual hair itself looks like almost like a shoelace tip and no heat is involved and you apply them with a bead clamp it in they stay in the cool thing about the eye tip is after three or so months you can uh, take them out and reinstall the same hair so it's a little bit more affordable for the people that are going for that route of the um of the strand by strand method mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So you had to figure out the best type of extensions to do. And so what do you sell now? How many different types?
0: Yeah. So now we have the keratin tip, of course. Um, we have tape-ins. We also have uh, our, we call them interlaced tape-ins where most tape has a shiny, uh, kind of like a shiny coating on the top of of the tape itself. And we have another type of tape as well that just looks like hair that goes all the way to the top, so it's a little more invisible. So two types of tape. Um, We have wefts. We have three types of wefts. One of the wefts is machine sewn. The other one is hand-tied extensions that are actually uh, made by hand. And then we have kind of a new hybrid, one of the newest wefts uh, that are really popping up everywhere. Uh, they're a hybrid kind of a mix between machine and hand tied, meaning they're very flat and small, like hand tied extensions, but they can be cut like a machine sewn, which is really awesome because hand tied, any hairstylist knows they can't, if you cut the hand tied to customize it to your client's head, it will completely unravel if you cut those strings off. So, um,
1: Okay, so for those who are listening who don't know anything about extensions, how, how do they even begin? Because that, that there's a lot of different options.
0: Yeah, well, and we also have clip-ins. Um, uh, like, one more. I just keep rambling them off. Um, so for stylists that want to learn more about extensions, um, it really... The it's such a great opportunity right now, just because of how much information is out there. Um, There's good and bad about that, right, though, because it's like, okay, well, now what do I do? It's like this company says this, this company says this, this company says this. And I will say that there are so many great educators out there. So I would try and find a company or a brand that really identifies with you. Do you want to only be certified in one method and kind of stick and have that camaraderie with a brand that only maybe does wefts or something right or with our brand it's a great um it's a great place to land because i'm more of a stylist that will tell you hey you should learn i tip you should learn keratin you should learn tape you should learn wefts to not Like don't keep yourself just in one box as it it would be just like a colorist that's like sorry i only do foils it's like you don't do retouches you don't do balayage right it's kind Mm -hmm. of like the same thing don't limit yourself have your favorite methods of course but don't limit yourself um something else about our brand is we have a great give back so we give stylists an opportunity to give back once you've completed one of our courses we can put you on our stylist locator and if you want to be involved with our Laced Hair Foundation. Um, but yeah, we have a give back program, the Laced Hair Foundation. So if you or if you or someone you know is suffering from hair loss, you can nominate them right on our website and we will send you or them hair free of charge. But we need stylists to help put them in, right? If someone calls us from Texas and or nominates themselves from texas and they don't have a stylist that can put in their hair extensions um we love to have a network of stylists that are wanting to give back and we can send them your way um
1: and that's that's super super cool i read about that on the website and so what prompted that
0: yeah so kind of to go back into your intro where um you mentioned that i was diagnosed with a brain tumor which led to an ms diagnosis um, hold on.
1: What year was that?
0: 2015.
1: And how did you know?
0: So what, what I, sent you
1: to the doctor the first time?
0: I've always suffered from migraines, but they were getting worse and worse, excruciating. Um, I was, I would just stop in my tracks and I would forget, I, I would be talking and I would forget what I was saying and almost like blackout. And, uh, my face, the, the ultimate thing that happened, this was like a couple months of leading up, but the ultimate thing that happened was I woke up one day and my entire left side of my face was completely paralyzed. But oh. I couldn't talk. I was like slurring my words. Um, and I it was, it's the weirdest feeling because I remember my brain was telling me to say something, but it was like, I was stuttering and I couldn't get it out. It was the most scary, frustrating thing ever um and so i you know i have a, a lot of people in my family are and this was like thanksgiving weekend
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and a lot of people in my family are in the medical field and they were like you need to go to the er they were thinking maybe it was a stroke because of the face paralysis um so bell's i went in palsy a
1: i have a friend with bell's palsy who has a yeah,
0: yeah. And so they you know they just didn't know so went to the er and they did an um they did an mri and they found a brain tumor so um, transported me to a different hospital that could specialize in it. Um, I had to go to a neuro unit and I wake up because they'd knocked me out for this really long MRI I wake up. And that's where I found out that I had a brain tumor, which was obviously like the worst news you could ever hear. Um, and you know, they said tomorrow you were scheduling, a, a surgery so we can go in and do a biopsy. Your tumor is tomorrow. Yes. Wow. And they, they said your tumor is in an inoperable spot, so we can't remove the tumor. And if, if it is cancerous, you have about a 10% chance of survival. And so all of this is just like, they just, you know, I, they have to do it. They can't sugarcoat news like that. Right. So, um, they are, you know, telling me that and I'm trying to process it and a whole team of doctors, this is at the university of Utah in Salt Lake city, a really great hospital. But all this team of doctors is, you know, some of them are like, hey, if it's cancerous, we can't remove it anyways. The brain surgery is too risky. Maybe we shouldn't do the brain surgery and just wait and just treat her as if it is cancerous. So all these doctors are, you know, talking in front of me and I'm just like still sitting there like, wait, what did you guys just tell me? I'm just trying to process it all. Um, yeah, but, you,
1: you always hope that they have a clearer idea of what to do, yeah. right? When they're, <laughs> you, uh, you, you don't so, want to hear the brainstorming session.
0: Yeah. Like literally, literally. Um, and, and so we told, um, so I kind of ultimately made the decision. They told me all the risks of having the brain surgery and some of the doctors said, what would you like to do? And I just said, well, if you guys can't remove it anyways, I, I think I would rather just start treatments and just wait. And so every month we'll do another MRI and see if the tumor is growing. Um, And we'll just start you on some treatment treatments that will help, you know, if you have a brain tumor that's growing fast, when you start either I didn't start radiation. But if we had to get to that point, if you start, if you start treatments like that, it can help shrink it right or can help prolong the swelling on the brain if it isn't a tumor. Anyways, so um, we didn't end up doing surgery, thank goodness. And it was just this long six month waiting period where I was getting treatments. And um I was getting really uh, inf- infusion treatments where if you have cancer, or if you have an autoimmune disease, or any sort of tumor infusion on your brain, they are lesion on your brain there, they'll give you these infusions to hopefully stop the swelling in your brain. And um, so I started those immediately. And, you know, one of the side effects of those treatments was I lost like 75% of my hair. And oh. um, I have really thin hair anyways, which is why I started the hair extension company and love extensions anyways. Um, but I I was able to, um, when I lost all that hair, I was able to wear like my clip-ins. I couldn't have permanent extensions in because there's like not enough hair to attach them to and it would be too damaging. So again, this is winter time. So I would just throw my beanie on and my clip ins and I just had this beautiful hair and I'm walking through, you know, the, these, these cancer uh, centers and these infusion centers, and I would meet all these women and they just are like, wait, we see her in here every day getting the same treatments as us. How does her hair look like that? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. so I had a couple of people asking me, is that a wig? Why is your hair so pretty? And, you know, of course I'd show everyone like I'm a hairstylist. I'm not afraid of, (laughs) I'm like, Oh, well, these are extensions and actually on a hair extension brand. And every single woman I met, including nurses that were like, Oh my gosh, I need to tell people about your brand. Everyone coming in here, getting these treatments would love to know about your company. And then it just like hit me. I was just like, Oh my gosh, I, I can give them hair. And so it was my You know, I start right then was kind of like where the idea of this, I'm like, I'm going to start a charity that gives hair extensions to women that need it because, you know, they all, they're going through medical, you know, they have medical problems. If you're sitting in an infusion center for eight hours, you can't go to work, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm just going to give all these women I can hair extensions. So that was the idea around the Laced Hair Foundation and how it was born was really from my own struggles that I went through. um, And to kind of, you know, circle back to that uh, initial brain tumor diagnosis after waiting and getting treatments and doing the follow up MRIs and the spinal taps and figuring out what the heck is going on with me. They found that I have multiple sclerosis, um, which I didn't know really hardly anything about multiple sclerosis other than I was like, Oh my gosh! Really? I, I thought it was just a brain tumor. Now, now I have to like adjust. You know, in my mind, I'm like, I'm gonna be fine. I'm gonna work through this. So it was like this whole, um, you know, MS. I'm like, I'm a hairstylist. Am I gonna be in a wheelchair? Like, I didn't really know anything about it. So. So hold on,
1: hold on. Just so I'm clear here, so the MS was caused by the brain tumor.
0: Yeah. So technically, it wasn't a cancerous brain tumor. Okay. Um, you know tumor is anything foreign in your body right so it actually ms causes lesions in your spine and in your brain oh. so it it was an ms lesion um which lesions will never go away it is a a big scar that is about the size of a plum in my brain that initially looked like maybe it was a cancerous brain tumor they just like i said they just didn't know um, but it is an MS lesion and eventually people with MS get these lesions all over their brain and can get them down into their spine as well. And that's where disabilities come. And sometimes those lesions can get really swollen and inflamed, which is why, um, where my lesion sits in my brain is why I had every symptom of, if you Google, you know, web MDs to scare yourself yeah. brain tumor symptoms, I had every single one of them. Right. Oh because it was acting as if, you know, it was this foreign thing in my brain Mm -hmm. and causing those side effects. Um, and that's how we found out what it was. And Um, so you
1: didn't know you had MS before recognizing, wow.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that was a whole new thing. I always say it was like the best worst news ever. Meaning, hey, it's not a cancerous brain tumor. You're going to live, but your life is going to look extremely different. Um, so it was like a, okay, well now I have to like readjust this whole new finding. So it was a, a really crazy like six months.
1: Wow. Okay. And at the time, you were uh, running your business, obviously the extension business, and you had clients and you were working in the salon. So... Did you have, were you able to continue on that to some degree?
0: Um, during most of my treatments, I was really, really sick because I was having an MS bout. Um, I was bedridden for most of, for probably two months of that time. Um, I couldn't walk My talking was really off. So I, um, that was kind of the point where I stopped, sorry, I'll probably cry for a sec. Um, I know all those emotions, uh, right now. Um, but, um, I wasn't able to take clients anymore. Um, but I was so grateful because I had my business and, um, and when I started feeling better, I was able to take some clients back, but my business was still growing. And in running a business, I kind of made the choice that I, it was hard. So I'm like, if I have a bad MS day, and I have to cancel my books or something, what's going to happen? So that's where I just put my focus on educating and um, and growing my brand, which is my extension company. So uh, like I said, I being a hairstylist, not being able to like work behind the chair anymore, I was really lucky to have this mm. brand.
1: Yeah, very lucky. And so you had hired employees who were helping with the day-to-day of, of the business. So when you couldn't be there physically, uh, things would continue to operate.
0: Yeah, I had like a personal assistant that, you know, she would run my customer service, like emails and go ship hair out for me. And then I also had a hair assistant that, you know, she started an awesome time because she I was like, Alright, well, here's all my clients. Um, and Then, uh, during that time, I actually was building my new salon. So then I was, you know, uh, that's just me. I'm a psycho. And so I built. That's insane.
1: Hold on a second. (laughs) So where did you get that idea?
0: Um, Well, it had already started. um, You started before. Got it. Yeah. So, yeah, I needed a place. um, Like I, like I said, I was in that studio suite. And after I knew it was MS diagnosis, I was like, okay, well... I'm going to start building my salon that I've always wanted to build. I need more space. And my idea was in the back of the salon, we can have kind of like our headquarters where we ship hair and that can be my office Then I can take clients if I can. And then I'll have stylists. People can come in and buy hair from our back room there. And it was like 12, you know, it's only a 1200 square foot space.
1: Sure. But but enough to do all that kind of stuff and you could educate and the people could come in, you could retail and, okay got it and so you were doing this while you're dealing with this ms yeah very interesting
0: yeah when i say it like that i'm like oh yeah that was the same time um but yeah so we opened the salon and then the crazier thing about when the salon opened during this time my business was just booming extensions were going crazy i could not keep enough inventory in stock which People are like, that's a great problem to have. And I'm like, it's not a great problem to have if you want to like sell. Um, so You're I, losing
1: money. That's what because exactly. it, it feels like you're losing money, right? And then yes. the customers, if they can't get the extensions from you, they go somewhere else. It's exactly. a bad problem. It's a good right, problem, bad them. problem.
0: Yeah. I got them super excited about extensions and then they'd go to one of my competitors, which I'm happy for people to get hair. But of course I would love for them to use us. Um, but we outgrew that space before construction was done. I knew that the back room that I had created for hair wasn't big enough. So I went, we kept the hair in there and then we like had to go back. Um, I have a house with an unfinished basement. So we had to like go back into keeping some hair in the unfinished basement. So, We built out a warehouse now, um, which is actually where I'm sitting. I have my office here. So we still have that salon that has hair for people to go pick up that are local to Salt Lake, but we have a 3000 foot warehouse facility out, you know, in the outskirts. We're like right by Amazon uh, out in um, the outskirts of Salt Lake city. So this is where we now um, warehouse and have a headquarters and have a quite a big facility that is like stacked to the ceiling, just full of hair and our tools and mannequin heads and all the things. So yeah, that was like a crazy three years of not only health, you know, I would say within four years, I'm divorced, brain tumor, started a salon, outgrew the salon and built a warehouse for our hair. So it was a crazy four years. You're
1: you're, you're like looking at life and you're like, what, what, you know? Like, yeah. like come and I'll get me.
0: Shooting. Yeah, I'll be fine. I'll be yeah. fine. After, after that, it's throw,
1: like- try to throw something else at me.
0: Exactly. That's
1: really <laughs> unbelievable. Really incredible. Well, good for you. I mean, it's, it's, that's really spectacular. And it, and it seems like you've got things, um, you've built a nice foundation and things are running pretty well for you now. What, what, what is it? Why don't you tell me, why don't you tell us the hardest part? Of any of it, all of it right now?
0: Oh, my gosh. Um, hardest part, I think, of, you know, I, I'm kind of an accidental CEO of a company. I'm like, hey, I went to hair school. Um, but I just think that I love doing everything and just realizing that you just, even though you like doing everything, doesn't mean you can do everything. And just making sure that I can let go of things and hire help when you need the help and you have to have a team um we are constantly growing our team and try to improve but just like starting a business just when you realize hey i can't do all this on my own anymore um and i actually had to realize that when i was diagnosed as a single mom like with the with the brain tumor i'm like oh i if i like i have no choice but to literally survive and like make this work. And the only way the only way you can do it is to um, hire people to help you and grow that team and take care of your people. Um, I love my team and love my employees. And, um, you know, that's like, yeah, like my best piece of advice is like, just hire people to help you. But the hard
1: part is getting to the point where you can right? because humans are expensive, right? They're whatever you know 40,000 80,000 depends what kind of human you need to help you you know with what kind of skills etc and so to get to the point where you can actually afford that is 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 a sticking point for a vast, <coughs> vast majority of businesses and then of course as you're growing the business let's say you have four employees but you need really eight and so, but if you're not make, making enough money to pay for another $50,000 a year person. it's That's very hard. So, seems like you've done a great job uh, at that. Okay, so for the listeners, all hairstylists, right, listening to us talk right now, one of the elements of hiring people, not so much starting an extension business, but helping them in the salon behind the chair. So, um, you mentioned, you talked about assistants earlier, you were an assistant, maybe you've had assistants. Um, Talk to the hairdresser who's thinking to themselves, God, I hear what they're saying. And I would love to be able to hire somebody to help me behind the chair with my with my business with my clients. But I just don't feel like I can afford the x amount of money.
0: Yeah, well, and that's the biggest thing. Um, it, It will be in the beginning, it will be a sacrifice. I would be lying to you if I said it wasn't. Um, I paid myself a lot less than I would have liked to when I first hired my first assistant because I knew how important it was for me to be able to grow. It took about a year to see that return. So you think about the things as hairstylists that we love. Most of us love fashion. Uh, most of us love our coffee. Most of us love going to cocktail hour with our friends, right? So like try and think of ways to, you know, maybe do cocktail hour at someone's house instead of going out for $20 cocktails every single night. Right. And that coffee that you're getting at Starbucks every day, you know, $5 a day, sometimes $10 a day. If you're getting two, that's literally what, like, you know, something that you'd be paying your assistant. And then the final one to go back to fashion, um, we all love clothes, um, of course, but maybe save and have a goal. Like after I a my assistant, that's when I'm, you know, when I'm making more, cause my assistant's helping me make more, that's when I'm going to get my new bag or something like that. Right. So, um, and I speak with a lot of like entrepreneur groups and I think people are shocked. I didn't pay myself from my business for eight years. I only started four years ago, taking a paycheck from laced hair extensions. So I, I, you know, I started making more money, but I was putting it back into the business. So even if you're one chair person in a suite, you need to reinvest in your business and that is getting an assistant or maybe someone that sits at your front room, helping you, book things or a personal assistant whatever it is so just kind of hold out and know the good things will come and just wait to pay yourself the bigger paycheck to get that assistant and i think like that is one thing i'm so grateful it that i did is just cut back on the things that i really wanted to do those outings and the fun things with my friends um so I could afford to pay an assistant, but it is, I would be lying if I didn't say it was a sacrifice. It's a huge sacrifice in the beginning and it's scary.
1: So you're making money from your clients and you are saving it and plowing it into your extension business, which is yeah. the classic way, you know, the bootstrapping is what everybody, everyone calls it. And that's what you got to do. And exactly, I, I did the same thing for a lot of years. I lived in an absolute shithole. When my friends had good jobs at banks and fancy places and they were living in fancy places, I lived in a shithole for so many years. It was embarrassing, I, would, I didn't wanna bring girls back to my place, you know, because it was embarrassing. But that's the sacrifice, and you're talking about it right here, which is, which is just so good. The world does such a good job of, t- of trying to get our money, doesn't it, whether okay. it's Starbucks, and pumpkin spice is coming out soon, right? And, and I'm already seeing it on social media, people going nuts with the pumpkin spice. And, you know, this morning I bought a, uh, uh, what? what, what is, it? is it, one of those shots, you know, it comes in a little thing, $7 and it's like ginger, the ginger? Yeah, yeah, the ginger and lemon juice. And I feel so stupid when I'm doing it because I know that it costs pennies and I could I should have just done it at home but I bought this and the world does a great job of this we need to be responsible for ourselves and be stronger than the world out there right
0: oh exactly and that is and I I always say that because you as a hairstylist you are you can make incredible amounts of money and it's like you can also spend incredible amounts of money right so just make sure you're saving some of that whether it's a for an assistant fund or maybe you want to start your own salon or your own brand of some sort it's like it is so much better to um fund it by saving right so that's always the price
1: that I great advice and there is that never changes D- depending it, it does not change once you make over x amount of money a lot of people try to create arbitrary thresholds, 100 grand or whatever, 200 grand. And once I make that, then I'll be able to do buy all these things. Like I, I know people who make money that would blow your mind, and they've lost it because they spent it. There are ways to spend any amount of money. So be disciplined now. And uh, so it's really, really good advice. If you could wave a wand and change anything about the industry at all, what would it be?
0: Oh man. Um, it's hard to only say one, but I am, um, and, and I mean it in a good way. Honestly, it's like, I love how far we've come. You and I have been doing her really long time and people made fun of me for going to her school. Um, and I would, it is changing, but I don't think it's still there. I would wave that wand and still get us. It's, it's gotten better, but I would still love, I just think it's the greatest industry hairstylists literally change the world we give people confidence we you know people can't wait to come to see their hairstylists. we people were sneaking in during COVID to people's garages you know what i mean it's like i just want that to keep happening that we are just getting the recognition we deserve because i think it's been a long time coming and i've seen it for 20 years and like i said it's gotten better yeah but i still think you know, I hate the term, oh, you're just a hairstylist. Oh, you know, it's like, what do you mean just a hairstylist? Like, and it's not even about the money. Everyone's making, you know, really good money now as hairstylists, but it's like, it's more like there, I wish there would still be more respect coming from it, honestly, cause sure. I see an issue with that. I would love to, to change that. And I think it's getting better.
1: during the pandemic as a salon owner who knows a lot of hairdressers who work in our salons, I became like a drug dealer for a period of time where people are like, like, dude, Eric, do you know somebody, you know, who's who can come to my house or I can go to their house or whatever? And all these little kind of rendezvous and back alleys. And, you know, because, you know, Newsom made it illegal for about a year. You guys were in better shape. Um, but. There was definitely a higher level of appreciation there, and hopefully some of that sticks. And and I, I I love your point on it. Do you have any hair horror stories? Oh my
0: gosh, I have so I have so many. I like that should like if you ever want me back, we should just have like a horror story, uh, segment. Um, we, we could
1: one, do we could do it. That's an interesting idea. We've never done. If you have enough. If you have enough juice on this topic, we could do a hair horror story, like, I don't know what we call it, but it would be, it would be funny. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll think about that. Give us your best yeah. one right now.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I worked with the blogger. I have crazy stories. Um, the one Ooh. that comes to mind. I is, like,
1: I was, like that. I like that setup.
0: Yeah. See, okay. yeah, I'm trying Let's to, I'm trying that. to get you back to me. Um, oh, yeah. but oh, I'm I, am here. so I like, I kind of want to talk about going back to when I talked about chunks how that was really popular chunk and they're like I see it all over the place the chunky highlights you know are we are talking bad.
1: about uh, this is different than stripper stripes
0: um I, I mean is that what they I I almost think stripper stripe is something else but uh, <laughs> if we need to edit that out that's fine <laughs> but um the is that was that the term for the chunky highlights do people call them stripper stripes I never well, heard that
1: term. I mean first of all, you know, I, I don't color hair. I'm simply I'm simply subjected to everything that goes on in this industry. Um, but I mean, my my familiarity with stripper stripes is just when you have you know highly contrasted colors right next to each other, and at the 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 width i'm not really sure matters but as long as there are those huge like almost black and blonde and black and blonde stripes that's my that's yeah. stripper stripe
0: we just called those those chunks but you know that the innocent uh utah girl like maybe i just you know how to i'm just i'm totally kidding right there um <laughs> but the yeah when i was learning how to do those i like that term better that's funny um but when i was learning how to how to do those chunks in people in people's hair one of the girls was doing my hair and this is probably like one of the worst things that ever happened to my hair by the way but i'm just going to share it anyways so i'm in school and i have a level four hair like my hair is level four naturally and i always try and be blonde believe it or not and i'm (laughs) not a natural blonde and here we are um but i had colored my hair all dark and i hated it and i was like well how about we just put a few highlights in and of course i want chunky ones so we got like four four maybe five foils across my whole mohawk section only four and um
1: that's scary and
0: one was blonde and we were like using 40 volume and whatever cheap bleach we had at the hair school and the other one i had like a one n oh or whatever you oh know probably, probably with like a little bit of like a it's probably like a four r actually because in like 2002 you like throw a kicker of like that purplish red to be really ugly oh, and so yes. it was like a little tint of red and then it was like then my next blonde chunk was right behind that one and so the girl you know puts my hair on everything's fine and i'm sitting under the you know the old the old lady uh uh-huh. old school um processing not lamp it was like one of those dryers with yeah, hood. you remember those yeah um, hood. and so I'm under that thing. And then my friend keeps coming and checking my hair. She's like, it's not lifting at all. Cause you know, she's flipping the foil to the back to, to the back and she didn't put, there wasn't an, it was such a thick chunk that the bleach wasn't like Saturated all the way through so she's checking it and seeing nothing happening But if you flip the other giant chunk that was like, you know, two inches wide It was like gone So finally like my instructor comes over and he's like you guys need to go wash that out now her hair is gone so I We go and wash out my hair and I we're just pulling these like white chunks out so I had so that haircut was so hard to grow out because I had like two inch chunk situation growing wow. out all over my head. I had to, I you know, I had to stay a brunette for like a year and a half to try and grow out that horror story. And ever since that, I'm always like, like, but I don't know. I feel like in hair school, people now are so much better than we were. We didn't have YouTube and we didn't have right. like little Instagram and. You know these short videos to help us know what looked good. We just had those scary hairstylist magazines that have these. You know, you stuck your head in a blender, and that's the haircut look, right? <laughs> so, anyways, that was like my first and funny, and then I have a ton more. But that that's one is like hilarious. the first one that comes to mind. I've like never wanted chunky hair since. You know.
1: So so did you lose that that uh, the 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 chunk that you try wow. to lighten?
0: Yeah. And it did go so, light in certain areas. So it was like this short man. I wish I f- had, could find a picture somewhere. It was like, you know, an inch long of these chunks that I, it was the worst hair I've ever seen still to this day. Um, and isn't, yeah, and it, it, isn't it out. a
1: shame that we didn't have camera phones back then? Oh right? my gosh. Like there was a point before which we basically didn't exist. And that was Pre iPhone and iPhone wasn't the first one to have a camera on it. I think the I think the the BlackBerry did. I'm dating myself, but
0: no, it did have one. I had one.
1: But we all basically were born after the iPhone. I know. Mm -hmm. Um, Way after. In terms of history, any last words for the community?
0: Oh man, I last night we had a hairstylist event local here in Salt Lake, and honestly, like I'm just always reminded how great hairstylists are. I just love that even though I'm not behind the chair full time, I'm just still so active in the hairstylist world. And hairstylists are so fun. And we just have we have the best stories because of all the people we get to meet and the lives we get to change. And I just love being a part of this community. So I yeah, I'm excited. I gotta hang out with you today. And a little bit about it. And yeah, I just
1: I okay. love,
0: love hairstylists.
1: So now that I have you here, I'd like you to commit to coming back to telling us about your best stories from the Bellagio salon. Oh, will my God. You, will you do that? Yes.
0: I have so many. It'll be so fun. I've always wanted to do that on a podcast, like tell some of my and I may have to leave some of the celebrities um, unnamed, which is fine. Um, I'll tell you, Eric, but um, I, I don't like to always kiss and tell. So Understood. I. Understood. Um, But I have some good
1: stories. We will bleep them. Donovan will bleep them out. So only I will know because (laughs) at least my curiosity will be satiated. And then if anybody wants to DM me on the hair game podcast Instagram account, maybe I will divulge the names. Perfect. Okay. So that's, that's what we're going to do. And it was great seeing you and talking to you. And thank you for sharing your story and can't wait to talk again.
0: Yes, sounds great. Can't wait. Thanks, sir.
1: Thank you, Lacey. Bye-bye. Hey guys, hope you like that episode with Lacey. For a chance to win the pod loot, write a review on the Apple Podcast app. The review has to include your exact Instagram handle so you know, so I know who you are. Make sure you're following the Hair Game Podcast and me, Love Eric Taylor on Instagram, and then I put your name in a bag. On the first episode of every month, I pull a name and announce the winner. You have to be listening to win. You've got 2 weeks to DM us from when we release the episode to claim the pod loop. If you don't win, keep listening because your name stays in the bag. You can win on the very next drawing, which would be December. For complete details, go to salonrepublic.com. Next week's episode will be a surprise. Until then, have a great week.